Happy Easter. Thank you. It's so yeah. nice <laughs> that you love Easter. I love this season. Easter is one of my all-time favorite holidays. Yeah, I'm excited to talk a little bit about the resurrection and the atonement of Jesus Christ and what it means that Christ is our advocate. So Definitely. Doctrine and Covenants is really is full of helping us understand Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, so welcome all. Before we get into our discussion, maybe we should follow up on some things we're going to talk about. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So today we are jumping around the Doctrine and Covenants a little bit and kind of forming our discussion thematically rather than chronologically through the text. We're going to talk about how the Doctrine and Covenants uh, records many in-person interactions with Christ. For example, in the Kirtland Temple, wherein uh, Christ says, I am he who liveth. Yes, I love that section. We're also going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about the spirit world. We're going to talk about afterlife. But we're going to talk about a lot of things associated with the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Including the entombment of Jesus Christ and how the resurrection is part of that and how Christ can heal our wounded souls. So we're going to focus in on three things specifically. Uh, first is this idea that Christ is the resurrection. It's through him that we are resurrected. He is the one who liveth. Um, also, what does it mean that Christ is our advocate with the Father? And how can we get the most out of our Easter? Thanks, Daniel. So in order to help us dive a little bit deeper into the scriptures and help us to understand better the resurrection and uh, the importance of Jesus Christ in our lives, we have invited our wonderful friend, Jeff Olson. And Jeff, if you would mind joining us here, we'd really appreciate it. Oh, I'd Welcome. be happy to. I like your light blue Easter outfit. That's oh, nice. Thank you. thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. <laughs> thank you. So Jeff Olson is the Director of Creative Services at BYU Broadcasting. He's a best-selling author. He also inspires audiences with his stories of perseverance and uh, inner strength. So welcome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Daniel. Mm -hmm. Jeff, I'm, I'm actually really excited to hear a little bit more about your experiences. I, I haven't heard of them yet personally, so I'm excited to see what, what um, you can share with us. I'm, I'm humbled that you're willing to come and, and share some of these experiences that you've had and, and looking forward to learning from you. It was the morning after Easter. We had just celebrated Easter with, you know, coloring Easter eggs and hiding them in the garden and letting the kids uh, go find them. But it was the next day that we were driving back home. We'd been down to see my wife's parents in southern Utah. We were coming northbound on I-15, and um, I lost control of the car. I, uh, I may have dozed off briefly. I swerved to the right. I overcorrected to the left, and the car began to roll. And uh, I had the cruise control at 75 miles an hour. Um, I blacked out for most of the crash, but when the car came to a stop, the first thing I heard was my seven-year-old son, Spencer, crying in the back seat. And I thought, I've got to get to my boy. It was that cry a father knows that he's, he's okay. I've got to get to him. But that's when I realized I could not move. I was pinned, and I couldn't tell to the floorboard or the seat. There was, you know, such chaos. Um, what had actually happened is both of my legs had been crushed. Uh, my left leg was eventually amputated above the knee. My back had been damaged. My rib cage had been damaged. My lungs were collapsing. My right arm had almost been pulled off and then the seat belt had cut through and ruptured all my intestines. I had no idea of any of that. I just knew my son was crying and wanted to get to him. But that's when the brutal reality hit that nobody else was crying. That's when I knew and I was acutely aware that Tamara, my wife, and Griffin, my youngest son, um, they were killed instantly at the scene of the accident. And that's a very dark place to be. Now, I was eventually extricated from the car. I was life flighted to a level one trauma center. Um, I was in the hospital for months. I had 18 surgeries in total putting me back together. 
And boy, did I learn a lot about being still. I mean, I was immobile, about relying on a greater power than mine to get through it. I learned about love. I mean, my, my son, who I knew was okay, even though half the family was gone. Boy, was that a motivator to get well, to somehow learn how to walk. And I eventually left the hospital. I was in a wheelchair. It took, you know, I had a colostomy bag. It, it, took, it took over a year to ever really function again. But I learned things I would have learned no other way. Um, you know, we have this false notion that if I just am obedient and do everything right, everything will be okay. I'll obey the commandments and prosper in the land. Maybe we have a misconception of what prospering means. You know, we think that, well, I'll have lots of money and nothing bad will happen and everyone will be healthy. And yet many <laughs> scripturally have lived beautiful, obedient lives and it's not easy. We are here to get the whole gamut of not only suffering, but also the joy. And, and one truly does define the other. We, we, get the whole, we get the whole gift of this experience we call life to expand our souls in, in marvelous ways. And Jeff, how, what have you learned about Jesus Christ in this process? You know, it's, it's beautiful, and we'll talk about the atonement of Jesus Christ, the at-one-ment. What I've learned is that there is complete empathy. You know, it goes far beyond anything for me about, well, paying a price or, or, or you know, meeting a standard. It, it's about empathy. I mean, I have learned that Jesus the Christ knows exactly how Jeff felt when Griffin died, when Tamra died. It's a very personal, wow, a comprehension of my life at such a level that there's nothing that will surprise him. There's nothing that will shock him. It's literally that empathetic love of, let me just throw my arms open and you come to me and we'll cry about it, we'll talk about it, and we'll work it out no matter what. It, it is unconditional love at a level that we probably can't even comprehend in this realm. So when we grasp the resurrection, not only power over death, but the restoration of all things, including our physical bodies and limbs, it's very powerful and personal to me. Thank you so much for your story, Jeff, and for your testimony. And it's extremely relevant to what we want to talk about today, especially regarding Easter. Before we get into our discussion, maybe we can kind of dive in a little bit to what the Doctrine and Covenants and other scriptures specifically teach us about resurrection, this, this idea that Christ is the one who liveth. Yeah, that would be great. There, there are many sections in the Doctrine and Covenants that talk specifically about the resurrection. And, and if there are verses or scriptures that you would like to bring up, that would be great as well. I think it's important that we remember in the context of this that Joseph has finished translating the Book of Mormon by this point. He's, he's learned a lot about Christ. He's learned about the resurrection. And then we see, you know, starting right off in the, in the Doctrine and Covenants, and we've talked about this already on the show, but section 19, uh, where Christ really does call us to repent. And, you know, we can go there just to start us off. Jeff, you were talking about how much you liked this section as Christ is referring to himself and the suffering that he went through in order to um, help us. Yeah, the, the, you know, section 19 is incredibly powerful, and there's a part at the first that really brought comfort to me. And in, the, in verse 7, it talks about eternal damnation. 
and what that means, you know, this fiery, you know, damnation that we often get in touch with. But I love in the section where it goes on to say, I will reveal unto you a mystery for as meat that you know, even as mine apostles. And the beautiful thing, and I'll paraphrase, is it goes on to explain that eternal damnation is only called eternal damnation because it's God's judgment. It's that divine, you know, look at your life, which um, in many ways isn't judgment at all. If we go on and read, we see that the master's saying, I've suffered these things. I know exactly how you feel. This judgment is going to come from pure, absolute, divine love, not from a place of demeaning or, you know, thumbing my nose. It's going to be a complete connection, a complete understanding or comprehension of everything in your life at such a personal level. And the damnation is not eternal. It's my judgment. And my judgment comes from pure, absolute love. Yeah, it's beautiful. And part of the expression of that love, I think, is, again, um, it tells us in, in Alma and the Doctrine and Covenants that all of us will, you know, resurrect when we're done. We can be with our loved ones that no matter what we've done in this life, resurrection is a free gift to all. And I'm wondering, what is it about the Doctrine of Resurrection that's meaningful for you? Why is it a transformative doctrine in your life? Why is it important for you? Yeah, Kate. Um, I think resurrection is really important to me because my grandpa passed away um, 10 years ago because of ALS. And he was in a wheelchair. He had to use the wheelchair through his mouth. And it was just really hard for me because I was like, I'm sad that he's gone now. But um, knowing that he will be resurrected in his perfect form, being able to walk again and move around and that we can be resurrected, um, that just, that's a really cool thing to think about. Excellent. Yeah, please, Anna. Just recently, about a month ago, I had three people in my life pass away. But it was really my first taste of people passing away. So that was a lot. Um, and they passed away within three weeks. So it was one after another after another. And so I am looking forward to the time that I get to see them. But I'm actually more looking forward to the time that I get to see their faces when they, their family members, their children that they left behind and um, just all of them that miss them so much that they get to finally um, meet them in life after and give them a big hug. I love that we're talking about resurrection and, and how difficult it is. And I, I want to throw this out. Sometimes we talk about death, and especially as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, you know, we talk about the importance of being of good cheer and, and things. But I hope that we understand, especially at this Easter season, tears are the price we pay for love. And it's not only okay to cry, it's healthy to cry. And, and just because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ doesn't mean that we can't hurt. And just because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ doesn't mean that we can't miss people. It doesn't even mean that we can't wonder. I hope that we understand that and we give people that, that agency and, and recognize that we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you know, when Christ lost Lazarus, he was crying too. And he knew exactly what was happening, right? Do you, do you, have, do you have thoughts on that, Jeff? No, I, I love that, Barb, and what, what everyone has shared here because it takes me back to that Easter morning. You know, yeah, we know there's a greater plan. Yes, we know there's life after, but boy, does it hurt when someone you love goes, especially when it's untimely, you know, and unexpected and they're young. But that Easter morning, I can, I can just visualize Mary, you know, and the love she had for Jesus and going, where is he? And I've been in those moments. Where are they? You know, where, where are those arms that held me? And then 
to hear that familiar voice call her by name and say, it's me, it's me. I mean, I, I, I picture my own child or my own spouse and what that will be like to rush to them. And of course he said, hey, don't touch me just yet. But boy, did I want to see you first and bring my love to you and let you know that I'm okay and that I am whole. I am he that liveth. And uh, boy, when you take that at a personal level, we've all lost loved ones or we will. And yet to go to that Easter morning and, and that moment of joy, I mean, Kate, you might want to have grandpa a foot race, you know, <laughs> in that day. It'll be completely different when we are in that form and in that mode. And that's what's so beautiful to me personally is that connection, that personal connection beyond a concept, beyond a theology. It's like, wow, what will that be like to rush and hold them? And, and at that point, we'll cry tears of joy and we'll probably laugh and say, wasn't that a crazy trip? But we'll say, but boy, did we learn. Boy, did we learn. Thanks for that, Jeff. And this has been a great discussion. Thank you for all your comments about um, Christ as the one who lives and gives life. Maybe now we can talk about another of Christ's titles. He describes himself as the advocate um, with the Father in numerous places in the Doctrine and Covenants. So maybe to begin our discussion on, on Christ's role as the advocate, we can go to a video that we have from a viewer at home. We have a question for you. As we've been reading in this Easter lesson, we had the question of how we as parents can explain what an advocate is to our younger children. And by doing so, we want them to understand part of our Savior's mission as an advocate and how we can feel his love, understanding really what he does for us and what he will do for us. So do you have any thoughts on that? In what way is Christ an advocate and how can we explain that to children? Yeah, I, I love that. An advocate is such a big word for, for mm -hmm. little is. ones. And, uh, you know, I used to struggle with advocate as a, as a young child, I think, but God knows me perfectly. How, how do I need a go-between? Why do I need a middleman? And yet, you know, at, at this point, Yes, God does know me perfectly, but I don't know myself. And what a beautiful thing to have an advocate to walk with me and for me as I figure out my own place in this whole big eternal universe. And for me, the advocacy really is that empathy. I have an advocate because I have someone who knows me perfectly and loves me perfectly, just like the Father. But the advocate for me is really that cheerleader to allow me to love myself perfectly, to literally forgive myself and move forward in life, realizing I'm here to learn and I'm gonna mess it up, but I can get up, dust myself off, and keep moving forward. Yeah. I actually went through some of the scriptures in the Doctrine and Covenants and, and asked myself, in what ways is Christ's advocacy manifested? And I found a few things, and it, this isn't to say that this is exactly how Christ's advocacy is manifested, but they seem to be a correlation. So, for example, section 32, verse 3, I am their advocate with the Father, and nothing shall prevail against them. So there's a sense in which Christ is our advocate in the sense that he protects us from evil. 45.3, listen to him who is the advocate with the Father, who is pleading your cause before him. So he pleads for us in some sense. 62.1, even Jesus Christ, your advocate, who knoweth the weakness of man and how to succor them who are tempted. And this goes back to uh, what Jeff was saying, this idea of empathy and strengthening us. Um, so I have the same kind of concerns about, you know, what is the deal with this intermediate figure? Is there some kind of juridical uh, scene at the end of the world where 
Christ is like, God is persecuting us or something like that. And Christ is a lawyer kind of making a defense. I don't think it's like that, but there are different ways in which he, he knows us and he, his knowledge of us and his atonement functions in such a way that uh, it enables us to become more like God and to progress towards God, perhaps more than, or absolutely more than we could on our own. What, what does it mean for you guys? And why does it matter for you to know that, that Christ is your advocate with the Father? Jane, please. I think it's really comforting to know that he'll be right by us as our advocate because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went through all of, he knows what we were going through personally for us. And so I think it's really cool to know that he'll be there with us because he knows exactly what we're going through and what we have been going through. And so I think that makes it all the more personal for us. And I have no idea how that happens. You know, Jake Okazaki has a great quote that, that she basically says that Christ fills everything. And she talks about even pregnancy for a woman and the death of someone. And she, she just lists all these things. And I think, I, how in the world? But, but just like the atonement of Jesus Christ, I don't understand how in the world. But I do know it's real. And I do know that he performed that atonement. Great comment, Jane. Thank you so much. Yeah, please, Melanie. I think it's just amazing um, to know that he does understand us perfectly. Like he understands Jeff and he understands me, you know, two different life experiences. And I just think how amazing it is to have um, a savior who, who knows each and every one of us personally and who knows what we go through and, you know, who knows what I struggle with or what my experiences are just as much as my neighbors, you know, and just how, how important that is to realize um, that we have someone that we can always turn to. And, um, just how great it is to know that, you know, even though I have my struggles or my issues or my problems, that, you know, he understands me and he understands you. And, and just um, to know that there is someone who completely knows everything. And I think that's just amazing to have that knowledge and, and have someone that can advocate for us on that. I think there are several passages in Scripture which really give us a window into what kind of person God is and what kind of person Christ is, you know, when he weeps in Moses, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, when he cries for Lazarus or uh, when he angels encircle the children and he blesses them all in third Nephi. And I think one of those passages for me is uh, section 45 verses uh, three through, through five. And Christ has given us this scene and I'm not sure it's literal, but he's really given us a sense for what kind of person he is and what he wants for us. He says, Listen to him who is the advocate with the Father, who is pleading your case before him, saying, Father, behold the sufferings and death of him who did no sin, and whom thou wast well pleased. Behold the blood of thy son which was shed, the blood of him whom thou gavest that thyself might be glorified. Wherefore, Father, spare these my brethren that believe on my name, that they may come unto me and have everlasting life. Now again, I don't know if this is literal, um, what's literally going to happen, but it just it gives you a sense into Christ's character and his desires and his heart and what motivated his sacrifice, this idea that he did it for us. And in that sense, he's our advocate. Jeff, you have a comment on that. Yeah, I, I love this. There's another aspect of advocacy. I, I played a lot of sports growing up and had some great coaches. And actually one of my greatest coaches was my big brother, which, which is perfect for me because I have this you know, brother relationship yeah. with, with Christ. But in so many ways, he inspired us. He inspires each of us by holding up a mirror and showing us our own divinity. You know, walk on the water, Peter. Why do you doubt? You know, come, follow me. Do the things you see me do. 
greater things will you do than you see me do if you only believe? He was never thumbing his nose saying, hey, I'm dad's favorite, you know. It was more of, look at your own greatness. Capture that part of you that is like me, that is divine in all of us, and uh, advocate in a very powerful coaching, inspirational way. That's beautiful. Thank you. So this has been a great discussion about how Christ is our advocate with the Father, and thank you very much for your insights and, and comments. Maybe now we can transition and talk a little bit more about Easter. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's, I would like to ask you in the audience, what, what have you done or what are you doing uh, to get the most out of Easter? Okay, so uh, one of the things that me and my family used to do, we'd all share our testimonies of Jesus Christ. And that was something that was really powerful because we're all sharing our testimonies of the Savior that brings the Spirit in there. And then also it, it would bring the thought to my mind, imagine trying to share your testimony and the atonement did not happen. You couldn't say anything. You, there would be nothing to speak about. And so it, it kind of just ties in of how important and how essential the atonement is in this holiday of Easter. It almost flows off of our lips to say that Jesus Christ lives and we will too. To say the opposite just doesn't even, doesn't even make sense, right? Yeah, interesting. Thank you, Andrew. Great point. Others, what else are you doing? Yeah. Um, so we just like sit together as a family in our family room and we're just going over the story and we just ask questions on what we're not 100% sure about. And we just go into detail on those little things that really help say, oh, Jesus Christ really felt for us and he atoned for our sins. And it just makes it a whole lot more meaningful for me. That's beautiful. Thank you. One of the things that we did this last year for Easter was um, because we couldn't all be together in the same home, we decided to do a family musical fireside focusing on uh, Easter. And I remember actually praying and saying, Heavenly Father, it's Easter and I'd love to have my family together. It actually also came upon the day of my, of, of my, my mother's birthday. And so I just wanted to do something special in a sense for my mom and things. And just the thought, have, a, have an Easter fireside that's just musical. Nobody has to bear their testimony. People don't have to do anything specifically, but just have people testify in their own way. And it was the most beautiful, powerful experience to have people from literally all over the world in different areas, just on a Zoom, uh, singing songs, playing music, reading a poem, and just doing things that brought them to Christ. It was a beautiful experience for us. Other thoughts? You know, Barb, we've been doing something which is really interesting on Easter morning, making sure we're up before the sun rises, and literally watching the sun rise, which if you look at the symbolic meaning yeah. of the sun rising and, and the resurrection, but sitting in silence and, and, and looking at the symbolism of here's the sun, and I can count on that, and it shines its light on everyone without judgment and comparison, simply shedding that love out, just watching the sunrise and watching that come up and contemplating within ourselves, what does it mean to have someone and something that I can count on no matter what that shines its light and uh, will always be there. Let's just embrace each day, like get up as if it was a resurrection, a brand new start and tell the people you love you love them, you know, send that text, make that phone call, but live in love and take on every day as a bright new start. Thank you, Jeff. That actually goes really well with this quote that I have from President Nelson. He's, he's it's this talk because he lives and he says, uh, something somewhat similar. He says, like those angelic messengers in the meridian of time, we also declare, 
He is not here for he is risen. He lives and because he lives, we too can know peace in this world and eternal life in the world to come. It's just this idea of, of finding the joy, sharing the joy, waking up and living our lives as, I love how you said that, as if the resurrection had taken place. It's a beautiful comment, thank you so much. Jeff, we, we really appreciate you um, being with us here today. We appreciate your insight. Thank you for your understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ um, and helping us to see the hope in the resurrection. It's just absolutely beautiful. And thank you to all of those in our audience today. We appreciate you. Wonderful comments, thoughts, insights. It's been a great Easter discussion today. Loved hearing about your testimonies of Jesus Christ and, and this joint um, desire to be resurrected again. It's beautiful. And to those of you at home, thanks for sending us your comments and questions and insights via social media. We'd love to have you in the studio sometime, but if you can't join us, we hope you'll tune in next week on Come Follow Up. Thanks a lot. Happy Easter. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.